In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Almost two years ago, we distributed to all the churches a letter of commitment to be signed by all the Sunday school servants. And this letter of commitment has some uh, guidelines about the behavior, the acceptable and the expected behavior from a Sunday school servant. And many servants, thankfully, they um, signed this letter and they are following these guidelines. But some servants refuse to sign it completely. And some churches, when they found this can cause conflict with some servants, so they did not distribute this letter to begin with. So in order not to create this conflict. And definitely the goal of this letter of commitment was not to limit your freedom in Christ or your liberty, but the purpose of this letter to understand what's expected from you as a Sunday school servant. And the argument about this letter was many of the things that, not many, some of the things that we mentioned in this letter are considered by the Sunday school servants, considered by some of them also, are lawful. So the argument here, if it is lawful, why you are asking me not to do it? Why you want me to commit to abstain from doing these things that are lawful? Of course, I'm not speaking about the letter in this lecture, but this is just the introduction. A similar problem happened during the time of St. Paul. And we will study today how St. Paul handled this problem and then how to apply it in our time with Sunday school servants. During St. Paul, there was argument about what the, the sacrifices that are offered to idols. Should we eat from these sacrifices or not to eat from it? Some people have a good argument. And the good argument is we don't believe that there is another God except the true God. So if these sacrifices are offered to idol, basically it's offered to nothing because there is no other God except the true God. And since they are offered to nothing, if I eat from it, nothing wrong with it. 
Yes, some people believe they are offered to an idol. But we know for fact, idol or this false god did not exist. So some people, they say, eating from, it is law, from these sacrifices is lawful. Why you ask me not to eat from it? If you remember in the Council of Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 15, the resolution of the Council not to eat from meat offered to the idols. In Acts chapter 15, verse, uh, verse 28 and 29, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you should abstain from things offered to idols, should abstain from things offered to idols. So some people, like how some servant argued about this letter of commitment, some people start to argue about the resolution of the Council of Jerusalem. Why are you asking me to abstain from things offered to idols? St. Paul actually tried to answer this question in different areas. First, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting from verse 12, that's how St. Paul addressed it. He said, all things are lawful for me. All things are lawful. But all things are not helpful. So he said, it doesn't mean that it is lawful, then it means it's helpful. Not everything lawful is helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. The insistence that you want to eat from these things that are offered to the idols means you are under power of of this. If you are not under this power, why actually you make this argument about it? If if we told you don't eat from it, it's, it's done. But the fact you are arguing about it, you are arguing about it, means it's very, very important for you. Let me give you some example of things that some of you believe it's lawful, but we say it is not a right conduct or a right behavior for Sunday school, sir. For example, ripped jeans. It's lawful, but some Sunday schools servants, they believe it's nothing wrong. Like piercing or like tattoo. Like drinking. Unlike some dances, like in wedding, when a father dances with his daughter, or the first dance between the bride and bridegroom. 
or like men growing their hair. So these are examples. You can argue it's lawful. Why you are asking me to abstain from this conduct or this behavior? So Saint Paul said, number one, you should ask, although it is lawful, is it helpful or not? And we'll discuss this point. Number two, are you under the power of it? To the extent you are fighting because of this, or you are arguing, you are debating, the, the fact you are debating about it, why? Either maybe just you like to challenge everything, so you want just to debate everything, or maybe you cannot give it up. If you cannot give it up, then you are under power of it. But St. Paul said, all things are lawful, yes, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach, and stomach for food. But God will destroy both, it and them. So he's saying, food and stomach will be destroyed. Why you are losing each other because of this? Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So here St. Paul said, there are two factors you need to consider. Is it helpful? Is it controlling me? In the same letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter, 9, chapter 10, chapter 10, he said, starting from verse 23, He said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. So he added a third element. Is it edifying or not? So when you discuss what you believe it is lawful, ask yourself, number one, is it helpful? Number two, Am I under its power? Means it is controlling me. Number three, is it edifying? Then in verse 24 he said, Let no one seek his own, but each each one the other's well-being. Meaning what? He explained uh, this in verse 31 therefore whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God so he added two other points whatever I do I should glorify God in doing this and also, I should not offend anybody. So here there are five conditions about what is lawful. Number one, is it helpful? Number two, is it edifying? 
Number three, is it offending to other? Number four, is it controlling me? Number five, is it glorifying God? Let us stop at each one, pause at each one quickly. When he said, is it helpful? Why you insist on this behavior? How this behavior help you? How this behavior bring you closer to God? If it doesn't, then why you are holding to it too much? Why? Why you cannot give it up for Christ? Otherwise, you'll be under its power. The Lord did not ask us to give up uh, only like dancing or drinking or tattoo or piercing. The Lord asked us, He said, if you want to be my disciple, forsake all and, and follow me. Forsake your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters. Even deny your own self. Like the martyrs, they denied their own life and they died for Christ. So, if the martyrs actually offered their life for Christ, why is it too difficult for a Sunday school servant to give up something that is not helpful? If it's helpful, let us see how it's helpful. But if it's not helpful, why? Why it is too much for you to give it up? And this leads me to the second point, is it controlling you? So, either you have a spirit of rebellion, just you want to rebel, and you want to challenge every rule in the church. And if you have this spirit, that's not the spirit of the children of God. You know who is the opponent? The opponent is the devil. The word Satan is short for Satana Il. Il means God. Satan means the opponent. So Satana Il means the opponent of God because he stood against God and he challenged God and he rebelled against God. Rebellion. He and all his soldiers. So, if it is not helpful, the fact that you are not willing to give it up and you are arguing about it, either because you have a spirit of rebellion, which is not the spirit of Christ, or you are under control of it. That's why it's too difficult for you to give it up. Then he said, is it edifying? Edifying in what way? Is it bringing you closer to Christ? And if it is not, then why you are so attached to it? If it doesn't bring you closer to Christ, and if it doesn't bring you closer to God, then definitely it will not glorify God. That's why he said, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Anything that will not bring you closer to God will not be glorifying God.
So why I do something that's not glorifying God in my life? Uh, and the fifth point, which is the most important point, give no offense. Give no offense. When you offend somebody, when you offend somebody, actually you are not glorifying God. Because people will speak about the church and about God and about the servants in the church. And they speak negatively. So if my behavior will make the people speak negatively about it, or about God and about the church and about Sunday school, then I'm not glorifying God. Recently, there was a wedding in one of the states, not here in Tennessee. And some Sunday school servant and some deacons and some leader deacons start to drink in the reception and start to dance. And they put actually these pictures on their social media. Many people were offended by this. And many people spoke negatively about the church. So, definitely, these people actually did not glorify God. So why I get involved with a behavior that does not glorify God at the end? And another point, for example, let's speak about drinking. If you drink, let me assume, and you control yourself 110%, you never will get drunk. Never ever. And you know your limit. Let me just assume for the sake of discussion. And you are a respectful and a respected Sunday school servant here. Then I see you as my role model. And you start, and I saw you drinking, so I imitated you. And I start to drink. But I don't have the discipline that you have. So I ended up getting drunk. I ended up in a major car accident because I was driving while I'm drunk. So who is responsible here? Yes, I'm responsible because I did this by my own will. But also you are responsible with me because you was the reason of offense. I considered you my role model. And in St. Paul, in First Corinthians chapter 8, about this, he said, but when you thus sin against the brethren by offending them and wound their weak conscience, you sin against them. So if you offend somebody, you sin against Christ. Although what you did is lawful, but you sin against Christ. Uh, and one actually of the 
few times in which we see the Lord Jesus Christ use like harsh statement when he spoke about offenses. He said it is better for the person who offend others to have many stones in his neck and be drowned into the sea. Very rarely we can hear the Lord Jesus Christ speak about like this. But because the sin of offending others is one of the major sins, then St. Paul, he, sorry, the Lord Jesus Christ said it's better for this person to be drowned in the sea. And many stone because this stone is very heavy, very, very heavy. So when he is drowned, he cannot actually swim or save his life anymore. So these are the five parameters. Is it helpful? Is it edifying? Is it controlling me? Does it offend anyone? Is it glorifying Christ? Also, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he discussed the same issue from another point of view. The law of knowledge versus the law of love. The law of knowledge versus the law of love. He said, you can argue using knowledge. For example, people they argue about drinking or dancing or tattoo. They argue using knowledge. And you may win the argument. Maybe you will win the argument. But St. Paul said, not everyone has this knowledge. So if you offend somebody, you are sinning against Christ. Love is not about knowledge. Love is about the other. Love is about protecting my brother. Love is about not offending my brother. So he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, now concerning things offered to idols, and you can remove the word idols, and you can put drinking, for example, or you can put dancing, or you can put uh, piercing, or you can put tattoo. So let us read it as if we are speaking about drinking. So as if St. Paul wrote it this way, now concerning drinking, and he said now concerning things offered to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Yes. But knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. What did he mean by knowledge puffs up? When I argue with you using knowledge, I want to prove my point. So what is the, the trigger here is my ego. I want to prove I am right, you're wrong. So knowledge puffs up. Knowledge is about ego. Knowledge is about proving you wrong and prove my, myself right. And let me tell you, for example, since we are speaking about drinking, uh, as Pope Shenouda used to say, Christianity does not 
ban material. But Christianity bans the abuse of material. المسيحية لا تحرم المادة ولكن لا تحرم الاستخدام السيء للمادة. يعني if I get some wine right now and I drink it, it is not sin. It is not sin, I'm telling you. But if I curse somebody, it is sin. But if, if I get some wine and drink it, it's not sin. Because if it is sin, how can we use wine in the divine liturgy? But the church actually takes as a stand of complete abstinence from drinking because of the law of love that St. Paul explained in this chapter. And also, uh, the church took this stand to protect you from becoming alcoholic or addict. If you ask any alcoholic, if you ask any alcoholic, and you asked him, when you started drinking, did you have a plan to be alcoholic? Definitely, he will tell you no. Just I started drinking for fun, social drinking. And in my mind, I will never get drunk, and I will never get alcoholic. But by repeating this action, by drinking over and over, his tolerance started to go down, and he became alcoholic. If you see how many person died in accident because they were drinking or driving, or killed others because they were drunk, or they got arrested, or they lose they lost their driving license, or they made major accident, which actually uh, challenged or put their career at high risk. Many, many people. So although drinking in itself is not sin, but the church advocates complete abstinence to protect you and also using the law of love, which is about the other, not about myself. That's why St. Paul said, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love defies. So knowledge focus on what I want to do and why you are telling me not to do it, why you are limiting my, my freedom. But love is not about your freedom. Love is about the other. Knowledge is about myself, but love is about the other. Then in verse 2, St. Paul said, And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. What he means by this? If you believe that you have the knowledge, for example, about drinking or piercing or tattoo or ripped jeans, or, and you can argue, then actually you don't know anything. Why you don't know anything according to St. Paul? Simply because you don't know love. 
And love is God. So if you don't know the law of love, then you don't know God. And if you don't know God, then you know nothing as you ought to know. Because the true knowledge is the knowledge of God. That's the true knowledge. And if you know God, definitely you will know the law of love. And you will let the law of love direct and guide your life, not the law of knowledge. That's why in verse 3 he said, but if anyone loves God, if you know God and you love God, this one is known by him. You know, the Lord said to the five foolish virgins, I do not know you. The same God will say to anybody who does not use the law of love, but uses the law of knowledge, God will tell them, I do not know you. But if you are using the law of love, God knows you, as St. Paul said. So, what is the argument? What is the knowledge about what's offered to the idols? Verse 4, therefore concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing. There is nothing called idol in the world, and that there is no other God but one. The only true God is God whom we are worshipping. For even if there are so-called gods, even if there are so-called gods, people say, call certain idols as gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords. Yet, for us, that is the fact. There is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. So that is the argument about what's offered to the idols. And the people, they say, idol is nothing. So why, you ask me not to eat from this uh, sacrifices? The same way people, when they, they argue about dancing, or about the first dance, or father-daughter dance, mother-son dance in the wedding, or people, they argue about drinking, or they argue about tattoo. There are, yeah, there is knowledge. However, in verse 7, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge. Not everyone has the knowledge that you have. For some with conscience, consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol. Not everyone knows that there is nothing called the idol. So when they see you eating from this sacrifice, they would believe that you worship this idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. Because they don't have the knowledge. And weak conscience being, the conscience will rebuke them. And they will tell them, you have sinned because you ate from these sacrifices offered to the idols. That's why they will be defined, since they have weak conscience. But food does not commend us to God. Food, 
will not edify us, is not helpful regarding my relationship with God. Eating from food actually offered to the idols can offend the others. And the fact you are arguing about it, is it, is it controlling you? So in the same way, we can apply this dancing. Dancing does not commend us to God. Dancing will not help you in your relationship with God. Dancing is not edifying. Dancing can offend the others because not everyone has the knowledge. Dancing does not glorify God. As St. Paul said, for neither if we eat are we better, nor if we don't eat are we the worse. I can, cheat, I can replace the word eat with drink, dance, tattoo, piercing, for example. For neither if we dance are we the better, nor if we don't dance are we the worst. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Beware. Your liberty that you say, why you put limitation on me? I want to enjoy my liberty. St. Paul said, beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. You may say, but I don't care about others. It's about me. Yeah, that's pride, that's selfishness. Then you don't know God. God, God is love. And if you have the knowledge of God, then you love the brethren. Then it will be easy for you to give up something that can be a stumbling block to your brother. Verse 10, For if anyone sees you who have knowledge, eating in an idol temple, Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to the idols? If someone see, sees you who have knowledge and Sunday school servant, dancing or, dancing or drinking or having tattoo or, or whatever, then will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to dance and to drink and to have tattoo and have piercing, to do the same like you, and then this can destroy his life, and you will be responsible. And because of your knowledge and your liberty, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. So Christ came to save this weak brother, and you, by your knowledge, by your stubbornness, by your argument, You sin against your brother and you make your brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Then what is the law of love? That's the law of knowledge. What is the law of love? Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. If dancing makes my brother stumble, I will never again dance, lest I make my brother stumble. If drinking 
makes my brother stumble. I will never drink again, lest I make my brother stumble. That's what we call the law of love versus the law of knowledge. As a Sunday school servant, which law you are applying in your life? Are you applying the law of love or the law of knowledge? That's why I want to examine yourself, especially those who who just signed the letter and they are not abiding by what's written in the letter, or those who refuse to sign the letter completely. I want you to examine yourself. What is the reason behind it? Is it because of your knowledge? Because you are under control of of any uh, of these habits? So the point here should not be, is it lawful or not? This is not the right point or the right argument. The, The argument here, is it edifying? Is it controlling? Is it helpful? Is it offending other? Is it glorifying God or not? Last week, we heard the annunciation of Archangel Gabriel to Zachariah about John the Baptist. And he told him he will neither drink wine or intoxicated drink. So, as a consecrated servant, John the Baptist was a prophet. That's why, as a Nazarite to the Lord, he is not drinking wine or intoxicating drink. You as Sunday school servants, you are required to keep a higher commitment than a regular believer. You as a deacon, you are required to keep a higher commitment than regular believer. And the more you go on the ladder of hierarchy, the more it is required from you. For example, what's required from the coordinator of the servant is more than what's required from the servant. What's required from the priest is more than what's required from the servants. What's required from the bishop is more than what's required from the priests. And and so on. Again, it is not because it is lawful or it's not lawful. But you are, you became a consecrated servant to the Lord. Even if you are not full-time consecrated servant, but being a Sunday school servant, you are consecrating, dedicating some of your time to the ministry of the Lord. That's why you are separate for the Lord. Since you are separate for the Lord, the word consecration means separated yourself to the ministry of the Lord. You are required not only in the things that you abstain from, but also in, in your like spiritual canon, in your prayer, in your knowledge of the scripture, in meditation, how you conduct yourself. I hope this is, is clear in your mind.
The argument here is not about whether it is lawful or not. It's it's, it's wrong argument. Many things are lawful, but if they are not helpful, if they, they are not edifying, if they are controlling me, if they cause stumble to others, if they are not glorifying God, then I should not do them. Especially, I am a deacon or I am a Sunday school servant. So, may the Lord actually enlighten our way, enlighten our mind, enlighten our hearts, in order to conduct ourselves in a way that is glorifying God. And unfortunately now, many of us, we use the social media to post pictures that can cause offense to others. So the solution, don't tell me the solution, okay, I'm not going to post these pictures. That's not the solution. But the solution is to abstain from these activities that cause offense to others. As St. Paul said, if eating food will cause my brother to stumble, I will never again eat meat in order not to cause my brother to stumble. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.